as you take your seats and take out your swords, pull out your Bibles, as we turn the corner on chapter 11, we begin chapter 12 today here in the book of John, the gospel written by this man that the Bible says Jesus loved. This man who would go on to write three additional letters that ultimately will bring us to the truth that God is love. And you would expect out of the heart of John this incredible truth that we now find as Jesus has gone off. He's been in the Judean foothills. He's been in this little hamlet, this little town called Ephraim. He now returns to Jerusalem itself, and he's going to spend some time with his friends. And I don't know whether you ever think of these things and and pull them apart. I do from time to time. You know, there are many ways that we relate to the Lord. We certainly believe that he is almighty God, amen? He's Jehovah Rapha. He is our God who heals. He's Jehovah Jireh, our God who provides. We, We think of him in his majesty and in his glory. We think of him as the Lord of heaven and earth and the king of glory. We see him ruling. We see him reigning. But in this passage we see Jesus, the friend of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Jesus is your friend. He he is, of course, our Savior. But he wants a deep and abiding friendship with you. And probably most of us in this room have at least a friend or two in the world. Amen? And when you have a close friend, there is a uniqueness to the relationship that is very different than even that between, uh, you know, relatives. There's just something special about that person that you're not actually physically related to, but takes the time to invest in you, to invest in a relationship with you to understand you maybe like most other people don't. And it is the friend, Jesus, that we find here as we begin the first 11 verses of John chapter 12. If you'd turn there, if you're not already there, I want to pray. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to be our friend and maybe there are some today that think they have no friends oh what a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear Lord don't let us forfeit that peace because we forget to come to you in prayer and so Father we thank you for what you're going to do through the wonder of your word speak to us Encourage us, strengthen us, build us up, Lord, as we study in Jesus' name, amen. Notice the word begins here in chapter one, or in, in verse 1 of chapter 12, and then six days before Passover, and so draw your attention to that. We know that Jesus was crucified on Passover Eve, and so he is approaching the final week of his life as he will face the cross by the end of the following week. 
And so Jesus is showing us the value of friendship because he could have been anywhere at this time. He, he's no doubt already understanding fully what awaits him. He understands the fullness of the sacrifice that he will have to make. The events of what we call Passion Week are about to unfold. But Jesus chooses to spend time with his friends. And Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, and I love the repetition of that thought, the formerly dead dude, the guy who used to not be alive, who now is, whom he had raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper. A picture like we experience, you know, sometimes the, the, the deepest friendship that we have is just kind of these communal meals. We sit around and we burn some meat in the backyard, amen? And we sit around and talk about our relationship, the things that we've been through. Very often what God has done in our lives. And so Jesus is kind of sitting down to one of those meals with his friends. It's not a religious service. It wasn't even a, a deep time of prayer so far as we know. He simply wanted to spend some time with some people he deeply loved. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. And then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why is this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but that he himself was a thief and had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. For she has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you will have with you always. But me you do not have always. Jesus was going to go home to heaven. He's spending these last days of his life with people with whom he had deep fellowship, relationship. God wants to have a deep fellowship and a deep relationship, a friendship with you. He wants to be in your life like a friend, not like a professor, not like a Greek god on Mount Olympus, not viewed as someone that you run to when you have nowhere else to go but someone that you delight to spend time with because he delights to spend time with you. A precious friendship. And now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there and that they came not 
for Jesus' sake only, but that he might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. This was kind of like, you know, the big event in Jerusalem. Lazarus is somewhat of a celebrity. Remember, they weren't checking Instagram or, you know, looking at the news on their cell phone while Pastor Jeff is teaching. (laughs) Just saying. Not to condemn you at all. (laughs) I had someone say to me last week, you know they're checking the news while you're teaching. I go, I figured as much. God's able to work through all of that. But there wasn't anything going on, but there was a formerly dead man wandering around Jerusalem. And that was big news. Just like to the Lord, you are big news because you used to be dead in your trespasses and sins, and He hath made you alive. Your living testimony to Jesus being your friend to loving you enough to do anything for you, to spending his time, effort, and energy to redeem you. You, like Lazarus, are a big deal to God. You're a big deal to God. You may not think so. You may not see yourself that way. But you were a big deal to God. You matter to God. God loves you deeply and supremely. Jesus is your friend. And he loves hanging out with you. He loves to drive in the car with you. You better have him around here driving your car. Amen. (laughs) He goes wherever you go. He loves for you to just glance over and say, Lord, what do you think? Where should we go? What should we do? Can we just hang out today? You ever had those experiences where it's just, you're not doing a thing. My, my very best friend on the entire earth is my bride. My amazing bride. And there are times we just look at each other and go, just being with you is all I need right now. The Lord wants that with us. He wants to be with us. And even if it's just some shopping trip, it's just you going out to weed the weeds in the flower bed. It is you simply being you. He wants to be with you. Don't miss this in your life because I think a lot of people leave Jesus as God, which is fine. It's wonderful. He is. Or they leave him as Savior, which is wonderful. He is. They leave him in the majesty of heaven. He is. But make sure he's your friend. Take him wherever you go. Say, Lord, would you go with me? I need somebody to talk to while I'm driving. On the way to work, what a better way to start your day than talking to your friend Jesus. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on the account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Do you see that little subtlety there? 
We don't see Lazarus like Peter does in the second and fourth chapter of the book of Acts. Standing in front of thousands of people preaching a message that drops them to their knees instantaneously. But Lazarus had lifestyle evangelism. People could tell that he had been raised from the dead and notice they didn't just believe in Lazarus because of who Lazarus was and how he lived because he spent time with Jesus, people came to know Jesus. In other words, you hang out with somebody long enough and deep enough, they're going to rub off on you, amen? It's one of the reasons that we as parents are concerned about what friends our children have, amen? Because bad company corrupts good morals, is what your Bible says. And likewise, good company injects good morals, injects that person's, in essence, DNA, at least in who they are, their character, into that relationship. And so we see this beautiful picture of what a friend we have in Jesus. The Jewish leaders are out to get him. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are just the other side of the Mount of Olives. They're they're in the midst of what's going to be the battleground of the next week. We're about to come to the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem for his final week of his life. And he stops in this little hamlet of Bethany, and he just simply wants to hang out with people that he loves. And I I just ask you to ask yourself, do you delight to spend time with Jesus the way Jesus delights to spend time with you? Is it a delight for you to spend time with Jesus? Or when Jesus is visible in your life, does it cause you consternation? Does it mess with your flow of your life? You see, I've talked to people that say, well, you know, I kind of leave Jesus at church. He's he's private to me. My, My faith is a private thing. And while I understand what that person is saying, I also understand it's fatal to your relationship with the Lord. There's no such thing as a private relationship with Jesus from God's perspective. Our faith is supposed to be very public faith. We're supposed to wear Jesus on our sleeve, amen? Get a Jesus tat, whatever. (laughs) Somebody asked me, is it okay to get a tat of Jesus? I said, just don't do his face. No, we're we're supposed to wear Jesus wherever we go. And by that, I simply mean this. You have a relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he should be affecting you in such a way that people talking to you, it's as if they got a little glimpse of Jesus. How you're not going to become Jesus in that sense, but you represent him to this world. People get to talk to you, and if you have spent a ton of time being the friend of Jesus, they will get to know a little bit about our Savior, at least, in talking to you. Are you the friend of the Lord? He loves spending time with you. You see, here's another thing that I drew from this passage our best friends, our true friends, also get our best. You can tell when someone is really your friend, amen? Here's how. 
you go to the hospital, they actually show up. Right? Real friends are like, well, I got a root canal. And uh, I'm just not going to be able to be there for a week and a half. You see, real friends are with you in every stage of life. Not just when things are good. Not just when you're paying for golf. Okay? (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Not when you have offered, well, if you'll come, I'll take you to the movies. That's not a real friend. You can get enemies to come to the movies with you. You offer enough things to them, a real friend just simply likes being around you. You see, and so consequently, you give your best to your good friends. The very best of who you are. It's been well said that we as humankind have one or two good friends in our entire life. Good friends. Friends that through thick and thin, almost like in marriage, in rich and in poor, in sickness and in health, in good and in bad times, no matter what it is, they would be with you. Jesus is about to face the most horrific time in his entire time here on earth, and he wants to spend it with his friends. That's because friends matter to Jesus. You see, as you think of this passage, you have Mary, and she's been, she is probably one of the most spiritually in tune people in the entire New Testament. Maybe the most spiritually in tune person whose life we have a glimpse of. Because she obviously is saving this very costly oil for the time of his burial. She has thought so far ahead, she is so in tune to the mission of Messiah that she saved what amounts to nearly a year's worth of her income, whatever she would have made. And she purchased this very costly oil to anoint Jesus' dead body. But instead of saving it, she wants to give her very best to him while he's still here. Are you giving your very best to the Lord Jesus while you're still here? You see, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. When you go home, it'll all be about him. Amen? But are you giving him all today? And I don't mean to shame anyone. I'm asking really a question that I myself need to answer. I need to answer, Jeff, are you giving Jesus your best today? Are you giving him something that costs you something? Or are you giving Jesus the leftovers? Are you giving Jesus the remnant of your time and your talent and your treasure, or are you giving him the first fruits, the very best of everything? Who you are, what you are, and what you possess. You see, because that's what real friends do. Real friends come alongside and they say, Whatever I have is yours. If you need me there to help you move, I'll be. Anybody like moving? Moving is from the devil. I'm convinced. 
I don't think there's anything that seems more fruitless than moving. And here's why. You pack all that stuff into boxes, and it stays there for the rest of your life. And then you just move it from place to place to place. You go, honey, what is it? I don't know. But real friends will help you move more than once. Oh, man, have I moved a bunch of times with Jesus. Amen? Because I used to be over here, and now I'm over there, and the Lord said, okay, let's go over there, Jeff. You see, Mary understood that. She understood the very thing that David said nearly a thousand years earlier. I will not give the Lord that which costs me nothing. You, you see, you want to give the Lord your best. Not that which costs you nothing. It should cost you something. In this, you have the contrast of a fake friend. You need to be very aware. Now, I want you to notice something extremely specific here. From John's way he phrases this, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples still thought Judas was a right-on disciple. He was playing the game. He was pretending to be a friend. He was doing all the right things, but his heart was far from the Lord. And the way that you can know that is by what will transpire in the next week, because he's completely unaffected. Judas is unaffected by what he is seeing right now as Mary unveils her hair, which, by the way, no Jewish woman would do ever in public. Their hair was considered to be their glory. And strange thing for you, when you travel with us, if you go with us to Israel, the ultra-Orthodox women actually cut their hair off and they wear some of the most beautiful wigs you've ever seen. Because their hair is their glory. And no one else is supposed to see it save their husband. So I don't know whether they keep it in a jar or what, but they wear these beautiful wigs because they wouldn't want anyone to see their glory other than her husband. Mary is on her knees at the feet of Jesus, wiping his feet, and we find from the other gospel authors that she anointed his head. She is doting over Jesus. Judas is figuring out how he can make a buck. There are people that try and figure out how to make a buck off this Jesus thing. Can I tell you God's absolutely not okay with that? And he knows exactly what you're doing. He, he knows true friends from fake friends. So you should give up the charade right now and encourage people who are playing games with Jesus to stop playing games because he's not fooled. And the reason we know Jesus knows is he's going to respond to Judas in a way that Judas should have known, I know who you are. And we'll see that in the coming passages. Judas was ready to abandon him. Judas was ready to move in that sense. 
Judas is sitting here looking at this whole situation. He's going, well, you know, if he takes over the kingdom, you know, I'm going to still be the treasurer, and so this is a pretty good gig. No, Jesus wants us to be real friends, not ones that will turn our backs on the Lord the moment the, the going gets tough. Or even when the going gets good. You know, sometimes I wonder, especially in our culture, if it isn't prosperity that does the most damage. It's like, well, I got everything I need. I mean, why do I need Jesus anymore? It's like you did the dial of Jesus thing. You got what you want. Now you walk away. Jesus knows true friends from fake friends. And here we have three examples of real friends in this family. You see, Martha was an incredible worker. She was a wonderful worker in that sense. The Lord loves wonderful workers. If you're one of those Martha types, you know, sometimes we bash poor Martha. Amen? Like, well, you know, Martha, just all she did was work, 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 work. Can I tell you, we need people to work, 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 work. Amen? Because there's some people who sleep, 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 sleep. There's a few folks that do nothing, 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 nothing. So we can use some workers, some wonderful workers. Martha was that. She's not chastised in this passage. Somebody needed to prepare the meal, and she did that. So I was looking on Instagram yesterday at the car wash, and thank you all for those who went. What a, what a great turnout. But there, here's people working and cooking food and serving it and wandering down the street and grabbing homeless people and feeding them. We need people to actually do some stuff, okay? Working's not bad. Just make sure that your working is for the Lord, that it represents him. Mary, of course, is, is one of these ladies that's wholehearted in her worship. She so desperately wants to hear a word from the Lord that she's, every time we find her in the New Testament, where's she at? She's at the feet of Jesus. So there's a wonderful worshiper here. There's someone who just loves being at Jesus' feet. And there's someone who just loves serving Jesus. And the answer here is balance in all of our lives, amen? But we also have a walking witness. So look at the three people here. And if you combine them, they're a pretty total picture of how we ought to be before the Lord in this world. There are times when I need to be a wonderful worker. I need to just get it done. You know, when you're in the mission field, what you don't want to do is take a team that you have to babysit. Serious is a heart attack. You're in a foreign country, you're 8,000 miles from home, and it's like, okay, well, let me get that for you. No, you need people to step up to the plate and say, I will get that for you. But you also need the people who spent so much time with Jesus that in those moments when people need a spiritual word from the Lord, that they're prepared to give it because they sat at the feet of Jesus. And most importantly, really for all of us, every last person here can be a walking witness for the Lord. I can, let me prophesy over your life. You're going to be somewhere today. 
Kind of weird to think about, isn't it? I know what's happening. Yes, you're going to be somewhere today. And wherever you go, you actually have the opportunity to show people Jesus. You're a walking witness. Anybody can do it. You don't have to be able to teach Bible studies. You don't even need to know a bunch of memory verses. How about if you're just gentle and kind in a difficult situation? And then when somebody asks, well, how did you handle that like that? I would have punched him in the mouth. Well, Jesus wouldn't do that. And then they start asking you questions. Well, what do you mean? You see, that's being a walking witness. Had a situation a, a little bit over a week ago. And I'm one of those people, when I, you do not want to be in front of me if I'm at Home Depot. Okay? Because <laughs> here's what I do. I'm, I'm that person that organizes the cart so that every barcode can actually be seen on the cart. I'm like the cashier's dream. But I have things to do, okay? To just get out of my way. So I'm on my journey... I have my cart stacked up, and they had a sale at Home Depot on those bark chips. I love those bark chips. Because you can make your yard look fresh in like 30 seconds. And so I'm going to get a dozen. That's three times the price for four. I accidentally put 13 on the cart. And I told the guy, a dozen. So I get to the truck, and the Holy Spirit was with me. Her name is Connie. (laughs) My very best friend in the whole world. And so I put the bags in the back, and she goes, you know, there's 13. I got to be a walking witness, right? Yeah, you got to take it. And you're thinking, it's only two bucks. You know, this can't possibly ruin Home Depot. You're justifying in your mind why you're not walking across the parking lot to take that bag back. If they just paid me minimum wage, it'd be more than that. You know know what I'm saying? So I put the bag on my shoulder and I walked back over there and I put it on. The guy walked up to me. What are you doing? I said, I had one too many. And the guy started to cry. He said, I have been here for nine years and I've never seen anybody ever do that. It's that simple, folks. It is that simple. I said, Well, I'm the pastor at Calvary Chapel South Bay. And he said, Oh, you're the, I've heard about that church. Now, I don't know whether he's been here yet or not. And I'm not bragging at all. It was. Connie's idea. (laughs) Just give an honor to whom honor's due. (laughs) But as I thought about it, yeah, it's the right thing to do. Be a walking witness. Be all three of these things. Because the Lord wants to use you. You have Simon who's in this picture. And his life is a beautiful testimony. He he was fearful. He was a former leper. Simon was a leper. Can you imagine what it was like to be a leper? And, And now he's mixed in with this group of friends. You have a formerly dead guy, 
a leper. You have an overachieving workaholic, and you have somebody who's always at the feet of Jesus. What a beautiful picture of life. You can see all four. You have a fearful person who's now been found. In this room, I guarantee you, there are formerly fearful people who've been found. I absolutely can tell you that in, in this room, a room of this size with this many people, you have people who used to have no faith who are now fervent in that faith. Who are now walking around going, you know, I don't know much, but I know Jesus. And you have what we should all be seeking, and that's this incredible friendship. I, I want that kind of incredible friendship with the Lord. Mary was so totally devoted that she gave the very best of what she had. She takes out this flask of this costly ointment that no one would think about dumping the whole thing out. It's like a little bit at a time there, sister. Kind of come on, hang on there. It's like, what are you doing? You realize how long we're going to have to work? But she seized the opportunity to give Jesus everything. That's a real friend. That's someone who doesn't hold back. And it also shows us that she was not sitting at the feet of Jesus in vain. She learned some lessons there. And I, I would just share these final things with you that we can learn. You know, when you sit at the feet of Jesus, you're going to learn some things. I picked out four. As, as Mary was sitting, she was listening. When you take out your Bible, do you actually ask God, Lord, I want to listen to what you have to say? Mary was a good listener. And when Jesus spoke, she didn't just hear it with her mind. She heard it with the ears of the Spirit. It became part of who she was in that sense. Mary was an incredible listener. And because of that, she also was a wonderful learner. She's sitting there thinking, man, the Lord spoke this into my life. And so she learned of him. And that word learn to us kind of means a number of things, but in this case, it's experiential. She could apply it. It was something she knew, not because she just heard the words and remembered them, but because they worked when she lived them. Experiential knowledge. You know, I, I can talk to you all about fly fishing, but I'm telling you, you cannot fly fish until you try and fly fish. It is not happening. Oh, you'll hook dogs and cats in the back of your own head, and every, you, you, you watch somebody do it, and you go, oh, that looks pretty simple. But if you, you're going to have somebody tell you what you need to do to strip line and all those kind of things, but until you've actually thrown a big loop out there and had it been out there 50, 60, 80, 100 feet and come back at your face, it's like, whoa, you got to learn experientially. That leads us to loving Jesus. You see, when I've listened to him and when I've learned of him, I begin to love him all the more. It's like, Lord, you would do that for me. You would help me with that. You want to be there in the midst of that. 
And then the final thing that happens is you see lasting fruit in Mary's life, in your life. If you will take the time to listen, if you'll take the time to learn, if you'll take the time to love, then there will be lasting fruit in your life. Because Jesus wants to be your friend. And oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. Amen? We just stand and we'll pray together. And maybe you're here today and you don't know the Lord. You, you've never met Jesus as your friend. We have a whole team of prayer warriors over in our prayer room that would love to share the gospel with you and tell you about our friend Jesus. Lead you in a simple prayer to believe and receive the grace of God and the forgiveness of God so that you can begin that friendship journey. If that's you, don't miss the opportunity today. Maybe you feel like you don't have a friend in the world I'm here to tell you Jesus is your friend. And with him as your friend, you you really have no need of any other friends. Earthly friends may abandon you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Ever. Be his friend. Love that friendship. Father, thank you that you sent Jesus into this world of course, to save us, to pay for our sin, but that we might be able to literally have a friendship with the creator of heaven and earth. And we are so grateful that you would call us friend. Would we be worthy of that friendship? Would we be reciprocal in that friendship? Lord, would we learn to listen and learn of you and love you all the more? And would there be lasting fruit in our lives. We are so grateful, God, that you love us. Pray that you would bless us to that end. Help us to be that walking witness that was Lazarus. Wherever we go, use us for your glory. Thank you for being our friend. In Jesus' name, amen.